let's have a heart-to-heart discussion on some really important matters. This is Biblical Genetics. I'm Dr. C. I'm coming at you today from Winding Stair Gap along the Appalachian Trail, just west of Franklin, North Carolina. I've actually been up here for an entire hour or two, and I'm the only person. I have not seen a single soul, but I don't want to talk about woods and trees and trails and temperature. I want to talk about our understanding of history, about where we came from and the struggles that you Christians and some of you non-Christians are going through as we try to wrestle with this world and, and an explanation of, of, of everything. I remember as a young man, I had an existential crisis. I was you know, into science and I was, I was really nerdy and really geeky. And over time, I realized that we don't understand anything. The, the f- most fundamental things in the universe, light, gravity, electromagnetism, subatomic particles, we really don't know what these things are. Now, we're very good at harnessing their effects and we, we've learned all this amazing things. We can do all this uh, really cool and, and fantastic technology. But in the end, we don't know what makes the universe tick. And so we have all these scientists and, and they're very confident about where we came from. Very confident that, you know, the universe just made itself through a big bang or, or something like that. But what if that's not true? What if there's another answer? Now I have a PhD. Now for those of you that know, PhD, that's a Latin phrase, it's an abbreviation. It means in English, a doctor of philosophy. Philosophy? Wait, I thought I was a scientist. Well, yeah. But science and philosophy are intertwined. You cannot separate them. So what philosophy was I trained in? What is the overriding philosophy in modern science? Well, it's called naturalism. That's the belief that nature explains everything. It's a belief that there's no outside force acting on matter. It's the belief that you can explain every occurrence in the universe throughout all time using nothing but natural processes. Now, that word natural, that's a little tricky because in English, we don't really have a better word to use to explain things that happen by themselves, by default, randomly, chaotically. So we use this ancient pagan word nature to to just say something that, you know, it doesn't take a human being or intelligent force to to motivate something or do something. So there's a little bit of tie in there and a little bit of confusion there. But in, in essence, naturalism teaches that God is completely unnecessary. Starting off the Big Bang, you don't need God. All the way today, you don't need God for anything. But I'm not a naturalist. I'm a theist. I believe in God. I believe that there is an outside power, and I believe that this universe did not come about by itself. In fact, that's quite clear from the Bible. God made the universe. That's what it says. In fact, if you allow me to paraphrase and maybe rip something out of context, Hebrews 11.3, the things that are seen were not made by the things which do appear. In other words, the universe didn't create itself. The natural forces we see cannot explain the trees in the background, these super unbelievably complicated chemical factories that dynamically respond to their environment in very amazing ways. And they do cellular chemistry that makes Nobel Prize chemists drool because of the complexity that happens in these trees. There's nothing compared to the biochemistry that happens in me. Helps me think, helps me speak, helps you think and speak, lets your heart beat. 
lets your brain wonder about the universe. But I'm a theist, I'm a Christian, and I'm a scientist. And sometimes putting those thoughts together is not always easy, especially the way the world treats us, and especially the way um, you say any number of people on YouTube or on you know, Twitter or even on television just railing against Christianity, railing against the creationists, railing against these religious people. But wait a second, not so fast. Because naturalism is actually an idea that was brought about through Christian theism. Yeah, it's true. You see, science doesn't really work in, um, in the Eastern world. I mean, Buddhism teaches that the universe is a mirage. There's, there's no science in that. It didn't really work in the Greek and Roman worlds and in pagan cultures because, you know, if there are gods out there and the gods don't like you, how can you trust your experiment? Or how do you know that pixies didn't come in out of the garden and mess up your test tubes overnight? And therefore, when you come back in the morning to look at your experiment, how do you trust it? In an animistic society, you really can't experiment on the universe because it might be experimenting back on you. Instead, we had this, this idea that came from basically Christian philosophy, very strong in the Bible. If God created the universe, then the universe should reflect the attributes of God, his basic attributes, because God never does anything against his own nature. God never does things contradictory. And so the ultimate lawgiver, God, would have created a universe that operated according to law. Oh, that thought right there propelled an explosion in sciences in the Western world. It was a Christian philosophy that was behind it. And Naturalism came from that. It was just the idea that there is a set of laws in the universe and we can trust them and we can test them and we can work on them and they work really, really well. My favorite example is um, when Newton came up with the theory of gravity. One of the most elegant theories ever and probably the greatest single um, engine of prediction that mankind has ever made. And he says, you know, all the things in the universe are being attracted to each other according to gravity. And the, the gravitational force decreases with distance. Well, all of a sudden that explained Kepler's three laws of planetary motion. Oh. And so astronomers plotting the courses of the planets, they said, you know, Jupiter and Saturn aren't quite operating according to Newton's laws. There, there's something missing. There must be another planet. Really? So they started pointing their telescopes and sure enough, See, my very educated mother just served, ah, Uranus was discovered, an invisible planet. The orbits of the, the large inner planets were used to discover a planet you can't see with the naked eye. Well, Uranus had gone around about three quarters of the way around its orbit when they realized that, you know, there's something wrong here. There's something missing. And an astronomer wrote the Berlin Observatory and he said, hey, point your telescope right there. And Neptune was discovered that very night. So this predictive engine in science, the idea that the, the universe operates according to laws, allowed for the development of gravity theory. And gravity theory was used to discover an invisible planet, which was then used to discover another invisible planet. That's amazing. That's how science works. So naturalism works very well in the laboratory. Extremely well. It is, in fact, the basis of all of our modern technology and all of our modern science. But it works in a universe that God created. It's really kind of funny that over centuries, this idea of naturalism, 
which started with the idea of God, was used to exclude God from the laboratory. And you hear people today saying, that's not science when you talk about creation or something. Wait a minute, what do you mean that's not science? No, it's not true. It is science. It's not naturalism. Oh, see, methodological naturalism has been used to exclude anything that's not naturalistic. But origins is not necessarily naturalistic. Now, the Big Bang model, you know, they, they claim it explains everything, but wait a minute, there's no physics behind it. And even worse is the inflationary Big Bang model that we've, we've had since the 1970s when um, Alan Guth said, you know, hey, um, we can't quite explain what we see in the universe. So what if after the universe started, there was a point in time where it also went and it expanded billions of times in size. And I'm not kidding now. The math is one quintillionth of a femtosecond. Now, I don't know about you. That sounds to me like magic. Because there's no physics to start it. There's no physics to stop it. There's no reason for this happening. They just took a problem, a mathematical problem, and said, oh, if we do this, basically waving a magic wand, then we can explain more of the data in the universe. Well, I'm not very happy with that. That's, oh, scientifically, I'm not very comfortable with the inflationary Big Bang just because it's ad hoc. Well, it's not any easier when you start getting into the origin of life. Because life is very complex. Now, I've said this a lot in public. I, I can say it here for the world to see. If life was very simple, evolution might be possible. Okay? Life is not simple. In fact, life is fantastically complex. Life argues against evolution very strongly in very many ways. It's just looking at the complexity. That's enough. The origin of life flies in the face of everything we know about vast areas of knowledge, including chemistry, probability, information theory, physics. There's nothing there. If life is going to come from non-life, we actually have to go against all these things that we know in science through naturalism, through approaching it as if there's no little pixies tinkering with, with, with the molecules on our dish, as if it can happen randomly. But if we can't really explain the universe easily, and if we don't know what light is, and we don't know what gravity is, and we don't know what electromagnetism is, we think we can explain the universe? And if life is, is so amazing, and so full of obvious design, well, maybe it didn't evolve. Maybe it requires a creator. Now, once we have life, we can tinker with it. You know, mutations can happen, natural selection can happen, fine. But that's all Darwin had. He had living things already, and he saw them change a little bit. And then what he tried, he tried to do, extrapolate all the way into the infinite past. Wait a second, Mr. Darwin. Is that really valid? Can you really do that? And that's one of the problems with methodological naturalism, to exclude any answer for origins or for the way things work that's not naturalistic actually isn't science, it's philosophy. So as a Christian and as a scientist, you know, I wrestle with these things. I, I, I've spent a long, long time of my life, years of my life, struggling to understand how the universe can be created and naturalistic at the same time. Well, it took a better understanding of the character and nature of God. 
and a little bit of exploration into the history of the sciences and where, where things came from. So if you're wrestling with this, I want to really encourage you. There's a lot of room in science for believers of all types. There's a lot of room in this world for people of faith to be active in the community and in science and in medicine, and they can do really good work, and they have done great work, fantastic and amazing work. In fact, on creation.com, we have a list of creation scientists and, and the things that they've done. You can be involved too. You don't have to run away from science. You don't have to run away from knowledge. You don't have to run away from the world just because evolution's knocking on your door and, and maybe you're struggling with it. The world is a beautiful place and God created a lovely place for us to live. And it is fun to explore the world. In fact, God told Adam and Eve in what we call the dominion mandate, which I'm sure I'll be talking about this again later. In the dominion mandate, uh, he told Adam and Eve to have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and basically everything that came under their control. Well, as our descendants, we've inherited that responsibility. The earth is our dominion. We're supposed to take care of it. We're supposed to take what we're given and work with it and improve it, make it better, or at least not make it worse. But in order to understand things, you have to pursue science. So science actually is found on the first page of the Bible. And that science that we pursue is God-honoring. I can't tell you the number of times, at least hmm, several times in my life, when I've been singularly impressed after I worked and worked and worked and worked on some scientific experiment, and I finally get a graph on my computer screen. And I say, wow, no one in the world has ever seen this before. God has kept this hidden until he revealed it to me. That is humbling. That's why I can um, say after um, the great astronomer, Johann Kepler, science is like thinking God's thoughts after him. God created this universe. Therefore, as we explore the universe, we learn about God. We learn about his handiwork. We learn about his genius. We learn about all the amazing things that he's done. So get into science. Get involved. Get active. Become a, an explorer. This world is worth exploring. I love this world. I love experiencing nature. I love experiencing the wonders of creation. Come on, Christian, get involved. You know, a lot of us right now are very distracted with the world. I mean, I'm doing a YouTube show. I know how enticing YouTube is. I know how many hours I've spent watching things on YouTube that I thought were interesting. Now I'm saying, you know, I didn't have to learn that. But there's a lot of information. In fact, sometimes there's too much information. We're being assaulted with information. So as the information floods us and floods us and floods us, we have to parse it and we have to sort it and we have to separate things into good information and bad information. So here's a challenge for you if you're still watching and you're not a Christian, you're not a creationist, but you're a, maybe an evolutionist. Explain origins, man. I don't think you're going to do it. I mean, literally, do a serious, not just, oh, we can explain it like this. No, no, do a serious exploration of where things came from, matter, the universe, and life. Now, the big picture of evolution seems to explain everything. It really does. Naturalism seems to explain everything because there's a story behind it, because it's a philosophy. But in reality, it doesn't explain much of anything because it can't explain complexity, design. It can't explain 
anything we're seeing. This world was created by God, my friends. I want you to know that. I want you to believe it. And I want you to live like it. So go. The universe is waiting for you. That's all for now. This is Dr. C from Biblical Genetics. Speaking a little more slowly and quietly than I normally do, because I usually get really excited when I start talking about science. But this has been on my heart. And the... Um, the things that I was going to present on this particular day, actually, I didn't. Because as I drove up here, I had two hours just to think about you know, what I was going to do. And, and my story just completely changed. So that, that's it from my heart to you. Be blessed, my friends. Go visit creation.com. Go visit biblicalgenetics.com. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a like. Give us a share. We appreciate your support. That's all for now.